0: Welcome to the Realized Gains podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts on YouTube or at jordanleemortgage.com.
1: Yeah, and so, I mean, obviously a lot of our audience, they're first-time investors. What would you tell someone who wanted to get into real estate? How, how they could get started?
2: Get started. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, get started. Um, uh, the story of, of the 2015, I took that Van Merrill Flip This House class then when I started that construction company, and I was like, oh, I'm too busy, you know, to start flipping homes. Like, I, I've got all this other stuff that's not paying me very well. And I also couldn't get over the fact that, how do you find a house that's discounted so much that you could actually make money on it more than once in a lifetime or twice in a lifetime? And it was back to networking. So it took me five years to get into it. Mm. And I think we bought 10 houses our first year. Jeez. And so it was like, once you step in and, and meet someone who's kind of doing it and, and gives you a little bit of guidance, like it's, it's a lot easier than it feels like it should be.
1: Yeah. Hey guys, welcome to the Realized Gains podcast. I'm Stephen Tran. I'm a multifamily and short term rental investor, and I'm also a realtor in the state of Oregon and Washington. Hey everyone, I'm your
0: co host, Jordan Lee, and I'm a mortgage loan originator licensed and based in Portland, Oregon. Um, and I'm also licensed in another eight states, and I invest in
1: single family homes. Uh, Stephen, who, who did we interview today? Yeah. So we interviewed my good friend, Kirk McLaughlin. Uh, he is a commercial contractor, or he started out as a commercial contractor. Uh, he eventually started his own business doing commercial contracting. And I know he just recently got married to one of our past guests, Jennifer Florent.
0: Yeah. And so together, I mean, he started his own business and now together they do flipping and um, buy. they do some holds too, flip and hold. And they invest here as well as in Portland or excuse me, as well as in Florida. So I think if you're interested in like vetting a contractor, like learning about the contracting world, shielding yourself from liability, mm-hmm. this would be a good episode for you to tune into.
1: Hey guys, welcome to episode 51 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm Steven Tran. And I'm your co-host Jordan Lee here, and we're
0: super excited to have Kurt McLaughlin on the show today. Hey, Kurt, do you mind just giving us a quick backstory, kind of your journey to Portland and your sort of subsequent journey into real estate, or maybe it happened before then? And I guess, yeah, we're, we'd love to hear your story.
2: I'm actually from Portland, so I oh, okay. actually lived in Aloha, graduated from Aloha High School all okay. my life, never went anywhere. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of that. <laughs> I've been in construction most of my life, so mm-hmm. in 2015, I actually started my own construction company. Actually, took a fan 2015. Nail. 2015. What were you doing before then? Construction. Oh, oh, oh I see. <laughs> Just like I, I see what somebody. you're saying.
0: You started your own company in 2015. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, that wasn't the first time I'd started my own company or failed at it. So uh, back into commercial, been in commercial construction the whole time.
0: And what were you doing like back when the crash happened pre and post 08?
2: In 08, I was actually building a hospital in Seaside Uh, doing some work down there and then i was the first of that mid-sized company like 50 employees to get laid off Mm -hmm. in 2009 ish Bought uh in 2010 my first house from a bank Mm uh with my wife at the time so that was kind of my first intro into wow we got a smoking deal from this place but it's kind of a crap hole so uh, i had the experience and uh, we we spent four years you know rehabbing it and, and building it up and ended up uh getting divorced and selling it and making a ton of money it was great and that was in 2015 when I took that money and started a, a commercial construction company as well.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So even, and so you've always been more on the commercial side until recently or?
2: Yes. In, in the construction industry, I've always been on the commercial side. Okay. Which gave me a good insight into like, uh, you know, triple net leases mm-hmm. and, and sort of how that whole side worked. Um, it just also feels like a, a lot more money to, to get in. But I'm sort of discovering how that's not necessarily true either. Um, interesting. How do you fall into like commercial construction? Uh, when I was 15, uh, I started construction with one of my neighbors. He, he during the summer. He's like, "What are you doing this summer?" And I'm like, "Sleeping." And he's like, "Get in my van. We're going to work." <laughs> um, so that was my intro into construction. So my neighbors, you know, sort of brought me into it. It's what blue collar Neighborhood, or Carhartt neighborhood, I guess. Yeah. Um, sure. sort of started into it, and then another neighbor was a commercial carpenter, and as soon as I got away from my school, it was just natural. I I enjoyed doing it, and it paid well. So I bought my first house at 20 um, through that, So, Mm. and then just spent, uh, what, 25 years kind of in that industry.
0: What did you do with that house that you bought when you were 20?
2: I turned it into a rental. I was a horrible landlord, and then gave it back to the bank. Oh, okay. (laughs) Not really. I sold it, but... Um, sold it in 2001 or 2002, kind of the uh, 9/11 crash. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it, it made it appreciated forty thousand dollars, and then when I sold it, it sold it for about ten thousand less than the, the height of that market.
0: Okay,
2: okay. More learning about real estate, <laughs>
0: and and so then you were working commercial. At- are you still doing commercial construction or are you all residential now?
2: No, um, not all residential construction. I only do construction that's involved with either like multifamily mm-hmm. or rehabs, our own personal rehabs. So we, we do that, but um, pretty limited right now. So, working with a, another couple of partners on a development project where we're just doing just some asset management, so managing the construction project. Mm -hmm. as a as a partial owner okay
0: okay Um, and what is your kind of sweet spot so it sounds like you do some flips Um, what what are you looking for in that in that field like where where how do you do the numbers like what's your goal because you're coming at it as the contractor as well as the um, you know owner and flipper so what where where is your spot there
2: the, the, the typical Numbers of everybody is 70% or so. So we're, we're trying to purchase at 70% of ARV. We're trying to guess what the ARV is mm-hmm. um, and also not have it be in Portland.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, okay. So you're doing a lot of your work still in the metro area.
2: Yeah. Just outside of Portland, we're, we're definitely looking more West side stuff. We don't have anything right now, We just sold the last deal um, at a great loss. Uh, about oh, two weeks ago
1: interest rates or what what made it a bad deal
2: you know we had it for two years Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the permitting was kind of a nightmare we we had it in the height of covid when subcontractors were kind of a nightmare material was double the price and then we in, instead of selling we tried to refinance out and then all of a sudden interest rates started uh, multiplying uh, and so that just made it difficult. You know, one of the partners was not, could couldn't get it done. So we spent an extra eight months just um, working through that process.
1: Yeah. So. No, I I have a similar experience. <laughs> I have I have a property with a very high interest rate that I'm not very happy with either. But I'm holding on for dear life. So you know, it's yeah. part of the game it happens. And you know, I, I feel like I noticed on a lot with our, a lot of our guests, and obviously we interviewed mm-hmm. your wife Jennifer in the past. Um, you know. disdain for motnoma county uh you know which i think is pretty common but i think we never really get into the specifics of that i mean i know that it sounds like with your business model that you're
2: adamant about not touching anything there i would love to say that i'm adamant about not touching anything there
1: I mean, obviously if you have the best deal in the world you will take it yeah
2: uh i'm actively looking there like we actively look for off-market stuff um uh, if you know jeff stevens like you know we're a, a I've coached with him before. He's great at uh, the kind of the seller financing, creative financing model. Mm-hmm. So we're actively looking for stuff that's a, a little bit more creative financing deals that, that pencil as either flips or, or burrs. And if it's in Portland, it, it, then it's just more criteria loads up. Like we need to be looking at neighborhoods. You know, how's it really going to pencil? How's it really going to rent? Is it does it going to make its full market rent in its location? Um, you know, I should rent for 2300 a month, but because there's no parking or because, you know, there's a homeless camp down the street or because of this, you know, what, what, what are the real, you know, how do we really feel about it? Yeah. So.
1: And, I mean, obviously from the construction side, I know that the permits for that might be more difficult or more expensive.
2: You know, I did a flip in Montevilla and we ended up having to get a permit for, for some stuff that we, we wanted to add. And we were able to get a FUR permit in a matter of like three weeks.
0: Were you able to, sorry, can you say it again?
2: A FUR permit, so Oregon or Portland, specifically Portland, mm-hmm. not not in the counties, but in Portland Metro has a uh, um, the FUR program, which is certain contractors are basically licensed to get the permits through the city. Uh, they have their own inspector. And so you, you kind of have to go through the same process, you still have to do plans, you, you still have to meet all the codes, but as soon as you turn the permits in, you can start work. So since we were kind of through the process and we're like, oh, we want to do this stuff here, you know, brought, brought our contractors for that. And they're like, okay, we don't really need a permit for this and this and this. So we had our drafter draw it all up, you know, submit the, the plans to our basically inspector and, and got started. And we closed that permit out, you know, start to finish in a week and a half oh okay um it was not in a historic district and and it wasn't it didn't require um, community involvement so no exterior changes either so
0: talk to so let's talk a little bit more about that for a program is there a specific dollar amount that is capped at is there certain structural work that you can or can't do or how does it how do you I mean it sounds like the contractor has to be qualified for it
2: right Uh, the contractor has to be basically licensed for it so it's a specific thing they go through the city of Portland for mm-hmm. so you have to find a contractor who's has their fur permit license and then and, and you can get on the list of the city of Portland and find you know fur contractors if you're doing like street side improvements in certain neighborhoods then you have to you know get community involvement so you have to like post it notify you know make sure that
0: what, that, what kind of improvements would that be
2: If you're in like a historic overlay district or you're trying to encroach like a build further out the the front of the house or add a DADU in the back or encroach that five foot, you know, the different setbacks. If you're trying to get closer than what is already prescribed for for your location, then you have to go through those. You can get... um,
0: So if you're some way altering the front of your house that faces the curb
2: yeah or or some dormers it, it, it's different areas have different kind of requirements for that okay so checking that out first But okay. if you have a basement that you just want to you know turn into a more living space or uh, essentially an apartment you can't quite have an apartment through the fur program but you can build it out about 95% do everything but a door or everything but the egress uh, through that fur permit get it almost instantaneously build it out Finish it, close it, and then apply. If it's your personal residence, for that one last piece that makes it the actual ADU, which would be like now you have to have neighborhood involvement, you know, go through that 30 days or 60 day engagement period, and then it's not guaranteed, but you know it's pretty well accepted. So, and then finish that last part, so that can really expedite the process versus you know doing all that stuff first and then waiting for the permission and and approval for all of it, and then starting the whole process. Mm.
1: Well, you know, in comparison, obviously, from Monoma County to, like, maybe, you know, Washington County or Marion County or wherever else you're doing this work, uh, when you're getting permits, do you, uh, outside of, like, somebody who has a fur, you know, um, who's a fur contractor, is it, would you say it's significantly more difficult to get things done in Portland, or...?
2: No, I would say the attitude of buyers right now is my biggest drawback for Portland. Okay.
1: So it's
0: less about the permitting and, and zoning or whatever. It's more about just the the buyer and seller demand.
2: It is. Most contractors are hesitant to work in Portland just because usually it's lack of parking. It, it's just sort of um, lack of parking, high, high theft, um, they're just hesitant to. With the stigma of Portland, and it—it's it, just the word. It's not even no. It's in a great location. Oh, we have plenty of parking. They're just like kind of pulled back already and charge more for it. But, but different pockets of, of of the different areas, like like again, permitting through the city of Portland is if you can use fur is great and quick. Mm. But it, it is a little. It's a lot more laxed on. You know, the the homeless, the the camping um kind of all of the the rest of it which even though the west side which i'm a fan of the west side because i'm from here lived here my whole life so i I know it much better like it has some neighborhoods that i I wouldn't want to live in but it also feels more open and i I think i feel that more on the buyers are looking you know it just feels safer i don't know if it's actually true uh i don't know if the schools are actually better but, you know, the, the stigma is that, that it is. And so that's the first thing I'm thinking of when I'm buying a deal is what am I doing with it? And if what I'm doing with it primarily is a sale, then I have to be a seller and I have to approach the whole, you know, evaluation as who am I selling this to and, and how big is my pool for that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I will definitely say it's definitely safer on the west side. I'm on the west side as well now, but I'm from north northeast Portland. And even when I was growing up it was. It wasn't that bad, but it's definitely worse now. So, no, I think you're right, and it definitely makes sense why you wouldn't want to go there. Though, you know, selling on the east side, you know, there's a lot of people who want to live in urban, walkable neighborhoods that are with older houses and things like that, but, you know, it's...
2: I think we're pretty spoiled. I'm pretty spoiled from being from the area. Um, From here, I've never lived anywhere else, but uh, Jennifer and, you know, lots of people I meet come from the east coast or other cities that are much more industrial and much more much less safe yeah. you know they uh, have evolved from you know high capacity you know housing that just crammed in to Portland where we are like oh you know we're, we're fitting a bunch of people in here and, and we're still very open we have a lot of parks we have a lot of yeah. space but it doesn't feel that way to me it feels like wow Portland's really condensed and out here on the west side it's just oh nice yeah sport. we gotta take
1: you to San Francisco or New York <laughs> or something
2: I, I've been there but just it's just not the same like the suburbs are so different and and
1: yeah. And it, so, you know, you, you mentioned in 2015, you kind of started off on your own, doing your own thing and kind of want to hear your journey from then kind of, you know, creating your own business.
2: Yeah, I got fired from a construction company as a commercial project manager. It was a great experience. It was it was horrible getting fired, but it was the worst culture I had ever experienced in my life. I, after I got let go, uh, I, I sort of had this decision of what to do. I was, was going to move on. With another company or, or start something i ended up starting something but i got to talk to kind of pl- employees that a little bit different words when i'm not working there anymore than when you're working there and it was shared with me that i was the person who had lasted the longest out of the previous 37 people wow. and <laughs> uh, you know it made me feel good but also like it it's like ah, oh, why why did i stick why did i stay so long and it was really kind of a big eye opener into culture and seeing what was wrong with that company and who, who was wrong and, and how they sort of drove it and how they kept it that way. And so it was horrible and, and great all at the same time. And then starting the commercial construction company uh, was difficult. I mean, it was just very much like real estate. Like it's not easy. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of resources. It's, it's a lot of work. Um, and we were doing, you know, a couple million a year, uh, which sounds like a lot but profits aren't are pretty thin until COVID hit and then basically lost about 12 contracts in in two days yeah and i was burnt out from having you know sixty thousand dollars a month payroll and kind of all of it that, that was involved And in i've been in construction a long time at that point so
0: yeah what kind of what amount of staff do you have with that kind of volume
2: uh about 15 people there you know but monthly so a couple of project managers, a couple of superintendents, a couple of office stuff.
0: And what what type of projects were you... did you specialize in anything or was it...
2: We specialized in medical and dental offices, so smaller tenant improvements on the commercial side. Okay. But we went So it was more watched,
0: renovation type stuff? Very much, yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: the last project we did was with uh, Metro. We remodeled their cafes in the convention center. Mm-hmm. And so that was about a million dollar project by the time you pushed through everything that they required and everything. but you know, 90, 900,000 of that was to subcontractors. Right. And then make payroll after that.
1: Right, right. So, I mean, obviously starting a business, like from scratch, how did you get these contracts? Like how did you start marketing yourself and getting out there? Did you have connections before, or how did you build build up your business?
2: I showed up to every networking event that I could possibly find mm-hmm. for two years.
1: And you still do. I still see everywhere. I, I still <laughs> network
2: a lot. Uh, yeah, but just, you know, social media is this great thing that's kind of horrible at the same time like we tell mm-hmm. our kids like not to talk to strangers and, and be careful who you talk to on the internet and then we have this huge social circle I have like 5,000 friends on Facebook and they all know me and I know like 50 of them yeah you know so like it is this builder of trust and it's false like you see people who are saying these things and doing this stuff and until you actually know that person and then get to know them on a personal level to find out What's going on 24-7, not just that one glimpse you see on Facebook? So I'm often taken back by people who give me recommendations for for stuff. you know, Talk to me about real estate or construction or permits that don't know me because I'm like, well, you should really be careful with that because you don't know me well enough to be referring me out. And if I take advantage of someone or, or don't perform the way you think, like that's a reflection back on you. Mm-hmm. And that comes from having to having that same thing happen to me. And I, I had some contractors that we were using. I ended up letting them go subcontractors for flips and other people knew we were using them and they were actually using our name. Uh, oh, we did this for the, for Kurt. We did this for this. Oh. And then, and I'm like, and I find out they're like, Oh yeah, he really screwed us over. And I'm like, yeah, I fired him. Like, why didn't you ask me? Um, and so that's sort of this eye opener of like being, being careful about who we, mm. who, who we think we know. And it's not the people, you know, we. I guess I want I want to think that everybody's believes the same thing I do. I want to I want to help everybody and I want to connect everybody, but not everybody's like that. I was gonna say, so don't send you business then. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I I'm gonna push back with cautiously, yeah. right. Connect with people, yeah, and and believe them at face value, like. Get to know people, and that's the best thing about networking, right? I, I see you on Facebook. I see you do this, and I can meet you in person. Mm. I, I can have a conversation. I can hear if, if the words and actions are matching, and start building up real relationships.
1: Oh, and I completely agree. I've definitely like you know referred out a contractor that did a that had a terrible experience with a client, and you know it was us. That's our reputation on the line too of who yeah. we put out there. So I totally understand of like obviously betting who we're yeah. using and you know, making sure that we know somebody has worked with them or, you know, we were recommended this contractor who did a terrible job with this person. And they had that kind of like, I'm going to, you know, hold a lien, construction lien against your property, all this stuff. And so it made us think worse of the person who recommended that contractor to us. So it's it's a whole network thing. And we definitely have to be very careful about that. So,
2: yeah. And that's like reaching out across as we're doing real estate. So nationwide, like as you're, you know, looking out for Florida or, or Ohio, it's like, you know, how do you? How do you build the network? How do you get to know actual people there? And that's the kind of beauty of today is you can like, you can have conversations, like when I set up Zoom meetings with people, like I set up, hey, can we give you a call, like hey, can we make it a Zoom? Like I want to see their face, yeah. you know, just start getting to know who their connections are, and like yeah, you can really build some relationships now where you know, 20 years ago it just was not the same. I was gonna
1: say, how do you vet people, like like let's say you have a contractor out in Florida, and yes, they can say all the right things, you mm-hmm. make them like literally show you what they're doing, how do you keep, to make sure, how do you kind of keep them in in line in a sense?
2: You know, I'm not a remote flipper. Yeah. Like I have, we are looking and, and actively investing in you know, the panhandle of Florida, and we have more than a dozen friends who live there. Yeah. So we, like, have this handyman connection. So we have a lot of con- personal connections that are from mm. here, there. Uh, I don't know how you do that in Ohio or other states where, you know, it's much cheaper to, to build stuff. But that's, yeah. Uh, find a trusted partner in, in a real estate agent, someone who has a fiduciary responsibility, you know, with some obligation versus... You know, this person that I met on Facebook um, that was told by this. So,
0: Yeah, let's drill into that a little bit (laughs) because you have vetted a ton of contractors and subcontractors. And um, I feel like in our world, it's the hardest thing to maintain is a good um, contractor. I mean, we've all gone through different contractors. We've had to switch. We've had to, you know, we've asked for people have asked us for people are regularly asking us for referrals. Um, What? Yeah. What are some like some things that you can recommend for the layperson that's you know wanting to do some work and um, doesn't have a a good contractor reference?
2: Man, if you don't have experience, I would say construction experience is sort of a big benefit to that. But without it, now you're trusting someone who's who's telling you, "I need to do this, and this extra is going to be thirty grand or sixty grand." Right. So, you know, this is where starting with some of the the big name brand companies although is more expensive on the front end is is less mm. less less expensive learning
0: so like some yeah just one of the bigger name brand that's they might give you a, a heavy quote but at least you know they have <laughs> maybe the funds that, to back it up or
2: yeah and definitely and, and a reputation to lose right as well like you know so like you know checking references and and there's so many Facebook groups for so much stuff. Like I use it a lot. We, mm. you know, we we use we ask for references for specific things. Um, but like uh, there's a, a window company here, I five Windows, I think is what it's called, <coughs> I five Exteriors, big company. So they gave me a quote for a house for about thirty two thousand dollars to replace the windows. I ended up buying the windows for about three thousand, and I had them installed for like twenty five hundred dollars. Mm. Um, but I managed every bit of that I went and paid the credit card to buy the windows I got the right size windows yeah I got them delivered to our house and then I had trusted a contractor that was gonna install them correctly Mm -hmm. it's like the amount of effort you know how much is that effort worth right I mean realistically I should have charged five thousand bucks to do the coordination right Uh, I five exteriors you know they would have done it great they they had a reputation to lose they they had to do it correctly Um, you know so but was that worth probably an extra fifteen grand?
0: Depends on the person you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> it, it depends on a lot of things. For you, no, because you have the experience.
2: Yeah. But timing, like we, we pay it we paid uh, paid a lot extra to get stuff done quickly, you know, because you need need someone to get it done. Right. You know, so
1: I mean, you know, obviously you work in construction, you know exactly what to measure, what to get. So it's probably a lot faster for you than somebody who has no idea what they're doing. Do I measure the inside of the frame or the outside of the frame and all this stuff, you know, like, so it can be challenging for just like anybody to take on that. And that's why these companies can charge that extra 15, 20 K.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a convenience factor of, you know, if they mess up a window, if they mess up a door, you know, they, they're, they're eating five or 500, a thousand bucks for that and yeah, because of keep the going. siding
1: wrong, and now you got to replace siding and yeah. all this stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, getting a complete contractor, someone who c- comes with good referrals, you know that again, when when someone gives you a referral, you know the comment back is, "Have you used them, or do you just know of them?" You know, and when you meet with them, like, "Do you have anybody we can call if we contact?" And then actually mm. contact those people, and and then when they give you a bid, like the bid is face value. Like, you know, if you go to the car dealership, you know, you can go to five different car dealerships and buy. You know, and get a price for the same car by different places, and the number can be different every place. Yeah. You know, do you feel uncomfortable about asking why the number is different? Like, practice saying why is it why does this cost so much or or what? Can you explain? Can you break this down to me and understand? And then ask the question: Is there a place where we can save money? Or, you know, is there a place that's is there something that's making this more complicated and more expensive? Yeah. You know, and then. You know, the more they get into the details of it, you know, the, the biggest thing I look for is, like, how do we take guesswork out? Like, we don't know what's behind that wall, and we want to change that wall. Uh, let's not add that wall to the bid. Let's let's bid everything else that we can really control and we know exactly what it's going to be. And then let's let's break that wall out separately. Let's take some sheetrock off and see if it's the surprise you think it is or if it's easy. You know, because now we can kind of break those pieces mm. out of... Um, Like the guesswork of the estimate because they're either guessing how long it's going to take them to do the work and adding up the materials or they just have a fixed number we charge a thousand dollars per window and sometimes that window costs 150 bucks and sometimes it costs 800 so like getting more more detailed and asking more questions and and being a a serious buyer is another piece like they you know if they if they think you're serious if, if you have you know, the resources to get it done. If you're not just wasting their time and they're the 37th person that you've asked to get a better number on, like those things are, mm. you know, get, get three numbers, pick one of those people and, and dig in.
1: Yeah.
0: And what do you think about the idea of like an hourly quote versus, you know, just a fixed rate for the project? What, what do you see is more in your, in your world what's more common?
2: It, fixed prices are more common, but some smaller stuff it hourly is works well or if you have a, a punch list of stuff to do mm. like oh you know we have kind of a, a day and a half worth of work can we just work hourly on that but now you're you're trusting them to show up right have all the tools make sure you have all your materials yep and get it, get it done that way so uh, probably uh, having a relationship with the contractor already that's probably better suited but it it can look better on paper, you know, and then the bills keep coming and keep coming. We've, we've had this experience yes. where they brought out 37 people and they really killed it in three days, but they had 9 million hours and it cost double what it should have cost. Mm-hmm. You know, and now you're arguing about like who was doing what the entire time.
0: Right. Like, right. So, it, yeah, I see. I see. Um, and so I'm guessing that you've had a lot of like, legal battles um or maybe you haven't talk about protecting yourself that way and and how can you go in a little detail on how liens on projects work when you're putting putting a lien on the house a contractor lien
2: yeah uh i would give you give you two things sure. if, if you're interested in protecting yourself as a flipper or real estate person i, I would look me up on Facebook and reach out and ask me more about series LLCs. Okay,
0: uh, what did you? Say? What, can you say that again?
2: A series LLCs. Okay. So uh, that's kind of the, some, some great anonymity protection. When it comes to contractor liens, like, it, it's difficult because in Oregon, anybody can lien your property for any reason. Mm. And it's kind of they can just put a lien on it and then you have to fight that it's not valid. And so they have to notify you. They have to give you notice within but while they give you the bid that's over. I forget how much it is, 1200 bucks, or, or something. And, but the biggest one is contractors not paying their suppliers. Okay. So if you have a, a bigger, like we're negotiating on a, on a big deal right now that's, you know, a million dollars and we have a, a fairly small contractor who's doing the work and we're leery about writing them a $100,000 check right so the negotiation is how about we pay for the concrete that's you know 30 grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll pay for that we'll just pay for it directly and then we'll pay you for labor at the end of the week so that we can kind of control the, the materials side the suppliers side because they can lean just like the subcontractor can and you mm-hmm. can pay the subcontractor and if they don't pay the supplier they still lean your property you're, you're responsible right so it's the same thing with if you have a general contractor that that has a, a $30,000 subcontract electrical subcontractor. You can actually write them a check in both names. And again, back to the relationship, like if, if this is new for you, then a, a new relationship or, or a new contractor, like those things are great to know and great to use. Mm. Uh, paying them smaller amounts is,
0: yeah, that's that's an interesting part that I never thought of. So, like you said, get the materials delivered to the site and be like, "Hey, like we'll pay you afterwards." But cuz like you said, they can always put a lien on the property if they feel
2: As a contractor, it's hard, like personally, like when you're you're paying for the materials, so you pay for $1, a $1,000 of material and you send your contractor over to Home Depot to pick it up and he spends 3 hours loading it, unloading it, doing all that yeah.
0: stuff. Like I I've paid for that time before, for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. so like you you're, you're they're frustrated in that in that process, uh, at the same time like, hey, can you put it on your PAR account and I'll just call and pay for it so that it gets delivered. You know, so like these people want to save, you know, six dollars in these fees and, and your your contractor's like, Oh, I'm gonna have to go pick it up. Okay. Your price just went up by, you know, right. three hours on, on that side.
0: You might have to stop and get lunch too. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, the whole thing.
2: And, and it's just not fair to them. Like you know, they yeah. they're they're estimating based on time you know, and if they got two or three guys in a truck. Like that's a ridiculous amount of time as well. Yep. And, and it's what what feels like, you know, especially when you're watching every penny. Like, you know, we're we're tripping over dollars to pick up dimes. Yeah. Right. You know, how much for you to provide the material? How much for you to take care of all that? And it's what that does too is like, and you what water. You know, ten two by fours and you need a twelve. And now, they. They came and they put the 10 in and they need two more and you got to pay them an the extra day to come back and install it Like if, if that was their fault, that's all on them, right, you know, so Kind of mixing this how do we get the most cost-effective way to get this done versus how do we save two bucks? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I got a friend who Didn't do the kitchen in a house and you know, it was a really small kitchen So it was probably a three thousand dollar deal and by the time when it's all done like how much does a kitchen add value to, to a, a home? I mean, it's it, especially I would say in today's market, like when you, when you put that on the front end, like, Oh, I could have spent three grand to have this materials
0: <laughs> Instead of having a house without a kitchen.
2: <laughs> well, it has a kitchen, but it has the old plywood, you know, it's just so right. I painted it, oh. you know, and, and buyers are very picky right now. Right. Like, you know, two years ago that probably didn't matter, but today it, it certainly does.
1: Yeah, I feel like when people try to cheap out, it really bites them in well in the butt sometimes. In that <sighs> situation, especially like you said, in, in a picky market like right now, like yeah. things are just sitting. It's like people are refusing to buy properties, and I've literally had this happen. Oh, the cabinets are the wrong color. I'm like, okay, um, <laughs> you know, like you can paint them. We can get somebody to fix that. You know,
2: it, it's such a weird thing, and I hate to use the word cheap out, but you know that I think. I'm going to pick on, you know, the open doors and and Zillow's of the flipping where we can see really cheap rehabs. Yeah. Mm. You know, where they spray epoxy the countertops to make them look like fake marble, you know, and that's cheap. Yeah. You know, versus Mm. like deciding not to change all the door handles, you know, where it's just a budget thing. Like you had 50 grand and, you know, you felt like you didn't have 55 grand to do it all, you know, and now it's like we really need to step back. And go. What's my highest and best use? Mm-hmm. You know, who am I selling it to? Is what? What are these little things going to, to add to the to the end
1: user? It's funny because I see a lot of houses where the kitchen's done up, the master bedroom's done up, new trim, new everything, and then you walk around and the rest of the trim is like old trim. I'm just like, you couldn't just,
2: like, hit all those notes, you know? I'm gonna give you the flipping secrets, right? Yeah. Uh, women buy houses they buy kitchens and kitchens, master bedrooms. Master bedrooms yeah. so <laughs> you hit it like if the, the kitchen and master bedroom are what's the selling feature i'll say this that that
1: trim is not that expensive sometimes <laughs> it's, they're like what 12 foot planks and i don't know like you can get like five of them for like 120 bucks
2: well so here's the whole thing like i so, said so you have this beautiful kitchen and this beautiful master bedroom the rest of the house matters yeah just not quite as much i know i know i <laughs> <So> just <laughs> you, have to, you it, Oh, and then you, you get these the fancy door handles and, and all the stuff in these two rooms, and the rest of the house needs to be consistent. Yeah, it needs to feel good. Like these, these mental uh, triggers for people are like it has to be consistent throughout. You don't have to, you know, have the the highest end flooring and, and the, you know, six colors of paint on all the stuff, but it needs to be consistent throughout to make it feel like a quality.
1: Yeah. You know, rehab. Well, that's me for consistency is like if you're going to replace some of the trim and that, you know, you should, might as well just replace it all. Because I think it's cheap enough and easy enough to do. But that's just my opinion. Uh, again. Stuff like
2: that. It, very, very much like we've left basements, you know, oh, kind yeah. of different floors. Like you you need to step back and get out of, especially, you know, my, my favorite comment to people is are you ever going to live there? Yeah. Like you, you love this one piece or you like that one part or you only have money to do this one thing. Like, Ask your friends, ask your realtor, like ask the people, hey, how does it look? You know, get some different opinions because we get so tied into these things emotionally wrapped up that that, That's what my clients are see.
1: saying though. That's because I'm walking around the house like, oh, I wish this was updated, I wish this was updated. I was like, Yeah, you know, we can get it done. It's really cheap, I swear, <laughs> you know. Because I, I do see these cheap cheap flips where you're I'm walking through it and I'm like, that's the twenty dollar light from Home Depot, you know? And I see a lot of those.
2: <laughs> I do we, we buy just, just just as inexpensive products from amazon because we can really be much more uh decorative you know Mm -hmm. and uh not have the same thing as everybody else you know that i don't think especially today like you don't need a three thousand dollar chandelier like you can have a three hundred dollar chandelier yeah as long as it's not the one that you walk into the home depot and it's the one hanging there that's on sale for twenty eight dollars yeah or sixty eight dollars that everybody else has like being a little bit more considered about mm. you know, where these things are coming from, how they all fit together, but it doesn't look like a house that was remodeled one year at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's our job as real estate professionals, even as realtors, like advising our clients of, of that stuff. Like, Oh, I,
1: I, I'll point it out even if I know my clients are like, Oh, it's really that cheap, huh? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, like, I want them to know, like, this is what kind of flip or what kind of new construction, quality this is you know
2: yeah new construction is not much better it's just all put in at the same time (laughs) yeah yeah no i
1: see i see a lot of new constructions especially in portland where they take a lot and they just raise it down and they build the cheapest quickest fastest new construction house and like i said i i'm just like okay there's glacier bay Bay there and there's you know the, the same black rimmed light i see everywhere you know that's led so i'm just like oh the cheap door handles yeah they really ran through this house quickly so I I point that out to my clients. I'm just like, uh, you know, maybe we could find something better, you know, but it is what it is. Um, And then just switching gears a little bit, you know, obviously we want to congratulate you for just getting married to Jennifer. what was like the last past
2: weekend? Uh, Last, what, two days ago, Saturday? Oh, wow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Why aren't you on
0: your honeymoon?
2: (laughs) Uh, It is beautiful in Oregon right now. Like it's really crappy in Oregon in February. That's, yeah, you know,
1: that's so true. Matters. Wait, wait till wait till right. it gets gray. Right. It makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, we know you have like this partnership you've had for what like, a couple of years in terms of also with business. Can you yep. kind of talk about that as well?
2: Well, if you've ever worked with partners, that's great. Sometimes Sometimes <laughs> not. Uh, this one's been a great one. Uh, we actually met on Facebook. So back one of those relationships where you got to be vet some people out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been great. She's been a realtor the entire time I knew her. So, and. Uh, our visions align of what we want our futures to be, and, and we both definitely enjoy learning and growing and uh, really stepping into the, the real estate field. So we've exponentially grown, just having each other to bounce stuff off of, and yeah, her knowledge of uh, being an agent, my knowledge with the construction side and learning lending and sort of the other pieces have been able to put together really nicely, and that's been great.
0: And what are you? So, what are you guys targeting now? Um, it seems like you've been through a decent amount of flips and other projects at this point. Um, talked a little bit about creative financing. What what is the the sweet spot for you now in terms of like renovation? And is it single family? Just single family stuff, or is it like multi unit stuff? Or
2: it, it's a little both. Like uh, we're definitely digging and looking into getting some smaller multifamily stuff sort of breaking into that piece mm-hmm. of you know the, the financing side and, and the operating side of you know 10 to 20 unit properties and, and still doing some some flips and like we have some really creative deals that we put together that are um midterm rentals so they're kind of fun oh, midterm rentals
0: yeah. well, what markets are you doing that in
2: we have a midterm rental here actually i'm a, a little nervous because i have no one coming in in a week
0: mm. and um uh, how long have you had it for?
2: Uh, we bought it this summer.
0: Okay. And it, so far it's been mostly occupied?
2: Uh, it was occupied three days before it was ready. Like, uh, I literally. <laughs> so we, we actually, I don't even own this place. It's great. It's a uh, lease option. So we have a, a lease option on this condo mm. with a 20-year option. So our lease payment is the principal interest taxes and insurance. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so explain how that deal worked. So um, you, you found somebody that was... Someone aw- came to us. Oh, someone came to you? Yeah, yeah.
2: they wanted out of this property. They hated the HOA. Um, Home ownership wasn't what they envisioned it to be. Okay. Um, they were a younger couple. And I kid you not, they said, ever since we quit our jobs, our quality of life has been exponentially better. I said, (laughs) I bet. (laughs) Um, And they they wanted out. So it was a quintessential flip. It was, you know, cat pee and crappy carpet. And they had lived there for three years and never had gotten a bed. Wow. It's just interesting Interesting. how people live and, you know, what is important to them. And so they had actually already talked to an agent. I said, I told them, you know, this... $330,000 Three hundred and thirty thousand dollars house, at probably ARV. You know, they owed two fifty in its current condition. I'm, I'm not sure that they would not be paying to to sell it, right? You know, with fees and everything. Yep. it needed probably thirty grand. Yep. Plus cleaned up and everything else. So, I I couldn't buy it as a flip. It just did, it didn't have enough equity. Yeah. Right. I couldn't finance it. You know, the, right. the financing cost piece. Yep. So I came back and said, well, here's what I probably here's my best option is we can take over, basically, payments. So it's similar to a sub two where... Is this
1: like a rental arbitrage? I think that's what they call it, basically.
2: It is a rental arbitrage. Yeah. A um, little more cloak and dagger, I guess, of, of that, where we actually have the option to purchase. So it's, it's a lease-to-own type. Yeah. Okay. Uh Okay. It, it's a lease with the option to purchase. Right. So okay. So only our <clears throat> purchase option is the declining balance of the principal of the mortgage okay so we have a 20-year option so in 20 years uh seven years left on the mortgage oh 30 grand left on it that would be our purchase price
0: i see then. so whatever whatever the balance is is, that is balance? your yeah. is your purchase price got yeah. it um i see interesting yeah
2: and so it, what it does is it gets them out of gets them out of this stress I mean, right yeah were, you're making were, the payments for them yeah we're making them direct like we have a um through power. an escrow company, yeah. yeah. We're not. We have a power of attorney, but uh, you know, I have it all set up online. Oh, it's just so oh easy okay. Though. Oh, you just go right to the lender. You yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. easy. Okay. It's so easy to get done now. So I have to pay attention a little bit more. Today, but yeah. um, the title company will, or an escrow company will do it. They charge like thirty bucks a month. So it's just something that was easily I was easy to set up. I'm not too busy for it. So.
1: I mean, so it's, I mean, it's basically like owning a place, or the option to own a place, if you if you think about it in a sense, right? They're getting their payments and at. Whenever you feel like the balance is like I want to buy this, you can just drop the money on it, right?
2: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or, or not. Or yeah. not. Yeah. Or for, not for nineteen and a half years. Like, we did some math on it. Like, it's a if we waited, you know, twenty years and then we kept it at ninety percent occupancy, which has been easy so far. Yeah. Like, it's about a five hundred thousand dollar asset. Yeah. Uh, so
0: and. If what did they? Did you? How much did you come in with them for them to walk away?
2: The lease was the consideration for the option. Okay. So the, the basically a one year lease a twenty year extension was our consideration.
0: Okay, so you didn't have to come in with a big d- a down payment.
2: No, and then we put a twenty five thousand dollars private note on it the first day. Okay. Uh, paid for the renovations and all the furnishings.
0: Okay, so they were just happy for you to take for them to,
1: for you guys to take it over. Yeah. They get a little bit of cash flow over their mortgage, basically?
2: No. No, none at all? No, no. our payment is the principal interest tax Oh, just exactly that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's varying. So as anything, insurance goes up or taxes go up. Right. So like we cover all and that. And the HOA too. And the HOA, yes.
1: Yeah. Okay, so they just wanted to walk away clean in a sense. Yes. Okay.
2: They, they would have loved some money, but they... It just
1: wasn't in the cards? It, it wasn't. Yeah.
2: If they would have cleaned it up, they would have put in the work. Like, yeah. I, like they could have they could have made some money but they didn't want to they, they wanted to walk away at that time and that was just the convenience of we're gonna leave this we're gonna leave it like it is it's full of whatever it's got
1: um, and they did just quit their jobs just to go enjoy life I mean that sounds nice to me I wish I could just get up and go <laughs> you know
2: yes I think the reality of that in the moment is great and I think in in time it's different you know I, of course I feel that having conversations with them yeah you know so it was, it was the best for them is what they wanted at the time. So, you know, we, we offered to kind of list it. We, we offered just a couple of options. And,
1: no, I mean, yeah. it's great that you guys found a solution that kind of helped them out and yeah. gave you an option to obviously get some cash flow over time yeah. and potentially another asset when or if you decide to
2: buy it. It, it. it would not cash flow as a regular rental right now. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of... You know the risk of that so it is a, a midterm or, or short term so it's a bit of work like you know we're putting effort in to make that happen we put in the cash to furnish it to replace the kitchen
1: and uh, i'm sure you're thinking like down the line it's going to appreciate and it'll have some value so if you do decide to buy it then it might be a good option i think it
2: already has value i, I think its yeah. real value is you know in that 340 range now 335 oh, right you know we're into it for 255 plus 25 so what two 280 it's so, like there's value yeah, it's, it's a break even at this moment when you think about closing costs and everything else. But I mean, when you think about it when you have
1: like obviously title in hand and everything, and then it's like, oh, my, my asset's appreciating right now. You're, it's not your asset that's appreciating in a sense, but and you could just make it your asset.
2: It is my asset, and the fact that I have paper, yeah. right? So when you, when you own when you own a house, you know what do you have? You know, you have yeah, paper. you own the debt,
0: right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: I don't even own the debt that's true. It's technically true. not in your name. Yeah. okay yeah you know, so, so like, like but you own the uh, the own, rights to it. I own the rights to it. Yeah. So it's even better. Yeah. Real really the disadvantage is uh probably the the tax uh, deduction piece. Like it's even though, you know, because oh, yeah, the no 1098
0: business. goes to goes to them, yeah.
2: Yeah, so but we're writing it off because it's a lease. So we're we're writing 100% of the payment off versus Oh.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. So it's there you go. Yeah. Our other piece that we're really focused on. And you're on, taking
0: advantage of the principal paydown still. A hundred percent. Yeah.
2: The other thing we're really focused on is buying houses, pr- property, and debt. Right. Uh, you know, when you're working on getting private private debt on property, like, would, would I buy a house in Portland? Yeah. I would buy a house that I would, ha- I would never actually own in Portland if I could buy it at a value and get... A note from the owner as a carry as an owner carry second piece on it that I could re and so thinking about buying a house like you, you buy the house and you get debt if you can buy the house and buy debt and debt that you can move uh, re-collateralize into a different market sell the house take the cash out hmm. not pay taxes on that uh, and then move that into different areas is Probably the biggest focus that we're working on right now. Interesting. How we're how we're refocusing on other states. Uh,
0: so, sorry, switching back to the midterm rental. Um, how are you advertising that? And um
2: uh, what, yeah, what
0: did you have to do? So you had to furnish it?
2: If you know uh, Shona Lupus, mm-hmm. so she's a, a the midterm guru, like we've been working with her a lot. Oh, okay. She's actually local here in Portland. Oh okay. Does a bunch of stuff, she's pretty awesome. Uh, she helped us get set up on uh, five or six different sites, so Furnish okay. Finder, Airbnb. So you're having an agent you know, that
1: will... And you just the, do 30-plus? D-
2: no, she uh, just worked with us to kind of give us some guidelines on how to uh, oh, set those things she up. She just so, kind of consulted with yeah. you. Yeah, oh, Okay. she coaches and do some of the stuff. But, yeah, really helped us with what has worked and, and what is working.
0: And are you that. finding a lot of nurses, or what is the, what has the no, clientele it's a, been?
2: it's interesting. Like We're pretty new to it, so we got a, you know a couple months into it, uh, a direct lead Came for our first tenant. We were ready. The house was ready, but it wasn't furnished. Uh, July first, mm. and then we had. like got a phone call. Hey, I have a, a t- someone who wants to move in on July fourth, which was uh, uh, what Tuesday, the ho- over a holiday weekend. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. So we had a housewarming party at our house on the first. We negotiated a lease for her to move in on the fourth. We had our house party, and then the third and fourth, we literally furnished this place three bedroom, two bath. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I never spent six hundred dollars at uh, Goodwill before for <laughs> knickknacks <laughs> and stuff. But it was <laughs> so that was just a regular lease through uh, North, uh, multifamily Northwest. We wrote a lease with them, went to a deposit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we kind of worked through Furnish Finder on that, and then the current tenant is an Airbnb for thirty days or more. Yeah, thirty days plus mm-hmm. uh, VRBO. Uh, I have it on Zello, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, there's a couple other.
0: But uh, it's enough stocks. to cover the whole mortgage and the HOA fee, and
2: it's what twenty five percent over okay. what we would get as a long term rental. Okay. Yeah. So, it would it wouldn't quite pay for everything as right. a regular long term rental.
0: Right. So it's close. A little bit more active, but um,
2: a little bit, but like it's monthly, you know. So like we we month so. We are cleaning every, you know, 30 to 60 days. Right. And, it's not as bad. Not as yeah, bad. Yeah, it's not, it's not nearly. It's,
0: and have you found tenants manageable. that will stay for longer
2: than that minimum period, or has it been... Our experience, no. Like, mm-hmm. we... Uh, I mean, relative, like, five, six weeks, and I had someone who was asking me today, like, yesterday, I'm, like, slightly freaking out. like, okay, these guys are moving out in a week. Like, I'm actually talking to which one about, like, what do I do? How do we kind of push this, how do we, you know, we're just talking about some strategies to kind of renew stuff, or put it back out there again, or, you know, get a little more activity, you know, with the price, or timeline, do we take it down to 25, or, Mm -hmm. you know, these little things, and updating these websites to kind of push us back to the top, and as I am wake up to a new request for for two months, nice. you know, that's in two weeks from today, so like, oh, that's that's like a week and a half of vacancy, that's fine, Right. you know, we charge a premium, so... (laughs)
0: Cool. And, and, and do you see, feel like this is something that you, that you like and you want to keep scaling with, or is it just if the opportunity is right
2: or I, we want to live in Florida. So like, it's like the perfect scenario for us where we want to live two places. So we mm-hmm. want to, you know, winter there and, and the prime rental season is in the summer when we don't want to be there. So, I see this as a great opportunity for us to have a, like a second home that kind of house hack and it mm. pays for itself and, and then do the same thing with the house here. So I, I see that. Uh, I feel like Airbnb probably has a little bit more work than I want to do um, mm-hmm. without having someone just totally manage it. Um, so it, it seems like it's just a good viable, like when things work out great, like it's just a great quiver to have in the, in the, bow
1: oh, there. Right, right. Totally. Yeah, and so I mean obviously a lot of our audience, they're first time investors. What would you tell someone who wanted to get into real estate how, how they could get started?
2: Get started, <laughs> <laughs> like get started. Um, uh, the story of, of the 2015, I took that Than Merrill Flip This House class then when I started that construction company and I was like oh, I'm too busy you know, to start flipping homes. Like I, I've got all this other stuff that's not paying me very well. And I also couldn't get over the fact that how do you find a house that's discounted so much that you could actually make money on it more than once in a lifetime or twice in a lifetime. And it was back to networking. So it took me five years to get into it. Mm. And I think we bought 10 houses our first year. Jeez. And so it was like, once you step in and meet someone who's kind of doing it and, and gives you a little bit of guidance, like it's, it's a lot easier than it feels like it should be, yeah. Which mm-hmm. also gets a lot of people in trouble, like this house that we just sold. Like it was a lot of stuff going on. You know, the timing was timing was great to buy it, but the overall time it took to, to finish it and sell it just killed the deal. Yeah. And so, I mean,
1: you know, it's like a batting average. Sometimes you you swing and you miss. Sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: so definitely be prepared for some losses. But how do you mitigate that? And I'm a big partner person, like meet people you know meet people that you get along with and have similar goals and start doing stuff together start you know taking small swings like um bob Boxler, a local investor you know his book is you know don't swing for the fences like it's base hits it's bunts it's mm. it's doing those little things mm. like start going to meetups someone was like oh we we're we're definitely going to get to a meetup this year and i'm like <laughs> that sounds like you're never going. Yeah. Like, there's a meetup every one.
0: Week. One meetup yeah. for the year. Yeah.
2: Well, they were they were gonna get to their first one. Get to their first. And time it's time. just like, you know, like,
1: just how like, hard is that? It's dinner time. Go have a beer and eat dinner and go talk to people. I think
2: people are intimidated by uh, the what they don't know. Yeah. And they think that everybody out there who's you know networking is just experts. And I, I can tell you for sure that we are not all experts we, we we make a lot of mistakes to you know to grow and, and that's just how it works like your first deal is your best deal even if you've lost money just because you're getting out there and doing it and, you're learning yeah you know, don't listen to the people who lost you know they, they they knew someone who had a rental and they had to replace the toilet 17 <laughs> times and they never paid like this is back to the, re- the referral did that person ever actually own a rental or did they hear someone's horror stories about being a crappy landlord? Which yeah. I was a crappy landlord, so like I, I have that personal experience of like how you think it should happen and, and do it versus like meeting people who are actually doing it, doing it well, and then learning from them. And, and like it's far, sometimes far too easy to buy a house. Um, surprisingly, like yeah. and, and meeting the right people that that get you in there. But Same thing with multifamily. Like you can, you can get into multifamily with. Far less than you think. Um, it's not free. You can't do it with no money down. You can't do it with, you know, all somebody else's money. You you have to have experience. Um, it takes money to advertise and show up. Like even those networking, like, you got to have the time to go do that. Yeah. Um, you got to pay your 20 bucks for for your two beers or, or take people out to lunch or you know yep. take other people out to you know go meet them on their terms, their time to, to learn that stuff. And, yeah.
1: Be a value add person.
2: I think that's a cliche. I think be receptive. Like, I don't need you to, for the most part, I don't need people to bring value into my life. Like, if I see value in you and I see that you can help me in some way, I'll probably ask. But if you ask for a suggestion of how to get your first house, and I tell you, hey, go talk to this person and that person, and then I see you six months later, and you're like, oh, I still haven't got to that house. And I say, did you go talk to those people? And you say, no, I haven't got around to it yet. Now I'm annoyed, and I'll never talk to you again. Not really, but... That's I mean, I see it as
1: adding value in a sense, you know, obviously, like, yeah. listening, like, when you listen and you follow people's advice, I feel like that's a value. Yeah. And, and and people true. want to mentor. Yeah. People are happy to yeah. mentor you. Oh, and if yeah. as long as you do what they say and show up on time and, you know, like, I mean, maybe help them with little thing here and there. Like, Yeah. You know, and that's up. part of
0: networking. Like, yeah. if if I get somebody that I, like, think was going to meld well with Kurt, Kurt and I send him over there, Kurt's going to remember that. Like, yeah. so it's, it's part of your reputation and... Or if I like tell Stephen, oh, I, I met this kid. He's like super excited to meet you. Yeah. And I send him over there, and Steven's just like, oh, I never heard from that guy. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, I use that as a, kind of a a, a, a thing to, to settle people out too. Like, uh, I'm like, hey, could you email me next week and you know set up a time to go meet or whatever? Versus like setting something up right there. Like I purposely go, here's my email. Yeah. Reach out to me next week, and, and let them follow through on that. Mm, that's how and if got they got don't, then it's just kind of.
1: Off the waist, That's
2: right. I don't have to deal with it, uh, versus if it does, and it's like I'm excited, like awesome. That's great. You know,
1: I know we talked to you for like a couple months back. Like we gotta get you on the podcast, yeah. and then finally got that email. Up. Oh, so God. yeah, that's how we do it.
2: I think uh, you guys hit me up on Facebook Messenger. Yeah, at, just, at some uh, point uh, I was like, we just gotta get this, get this to happen. I'm so. not a I'm not a messenger guy. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and so if people wanted to like contact you, pick your brain more, um, meet up, go to one of your meetups, where, where, how was the best way to find you?
2: Uh, probably most active on Facebook. We have a Invest Northwest. Not Facebook
0: Messenger, but Facebook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Facebook I will Brand look. North. No promises how long it will take. Uh, Invest Northwest is our Facebook group. Okay, Facebook page. Invest Northwest. Uh, we do a monthly meetup there. And then mm-hmm. We do an annual real estate summit for investors here in Portland. And then it's Kurt McLaughlin. Curdam333 uh, on Facebook.
0: So. Great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks, we really Kurt. appreciate the knowledge. Thanks for tuning in to the Realized Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at JordanLeeMortgage.com.